I'm so sorry. Can I call you back in just a few minutes? My youngest just projectile vomited everywhere. Welcome to Holy Spontaneity. It's Cameron and Karen, and we're on a journey to find the Lord in the little moments of every day. So join us on an adventure of holy, spontaneous faith in otherwise normal lives. We're so glad you're here. It's too bad we weren't recording when that happened, because that would be hilarious. That would make it a, a, a good a good podcast well we, you know we have that actually is... been recording the the audio so we have the uh well my i have to go <laughs> <laughs> well good use that as a as a promo if you want i was real, about to say that'll be that'll go life. in before our intro at this point because yeah. it, you know it's perfect people want to know what the real life is about you know being married having kids that's the being real dead. life right there that's this is real life which is just really, really hilarious because I did um, put a poll on my Instagram and, you know, being a Catholic man slash gentleman slash father was like actually the one that won and like both girls and guys wanted to hear about it. So I was like, mm, okay, well, here we this go. This is it, guys. <laughs> Cleaning up Sweet. projectile vomit. Yeah, that's what it is sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very excited. That it's great for, great for us to hear about because neither one of us are married yet. So... <laughs> well there's well, a lot to look uh, forward to right yeah like if if you feel a vocational call towards vomit motherhood if like i'm not calling it the vocation of motherhood anymore i'm calling it the vocation, vocation of, of throwing up projectile <laughs> vomit oh my gosh that's so great <laughs> beautiful all righty hi guys Hey. Well, hey. welcome to a, another episode of Holy Spontaneity. As I might have guessed, we have some very special, very special English here, very special <laughs> guests here on here with us here tonight. Adam and David from the Catholic Man Show. Howdy, guys. Hey. Howdy. There's been a lot of uh, spontaneity happening this evening thus far so i'm excited so to see what happen happens That's later great. we're all we're all about the spontaneity here yeah <laughs> so. all righty well do you guys want to introduce yourselves real quick sure uh so i'm at i'm david <laughs> you can always remember which one is which because i'm the i'm the good looking one of the two oh. um I've been married for eight years, have five children, four girls and a boy. Oh. Um, so, you know, it's like, uh, we have a lot of, we, we have a lot of uh, fun, cute things around my house. It's a lot different from Adam's house, as I'm sure you'll find out. Uh, raised Catholic, cradle Catholic. I love Jesus. Medium link walks on the beach and a good scotch. That's great. All right. Yeah. And I'm Adam. I've uh, been married to my beautiful wife, Haley, for a little over 10 years now. We have uh, five children as well. My youngest is uh, a little over a month old. Uh, I have four boys and one girl. 
Wow. Uh, so the exact opposite. We both homeschool. Uh, and so uh, handwriting class is both all of them signing prearranged marriages. They're signing their, their names. So <laughs> all four of my boys is four girls. And then my girl with his boy. So it's, it, it's going to work out really well. There you go. There you God go. is hilarious. Um, yeah. Perfect. God is so funny. So, yeah. I'm sure they'll appreciate that when they're older. Yeah. 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 We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Well, we're super excited to have you guys on. And um, our listeners had a lot of questions about life and discernment and vocations and pretty much everything. So we'd, we'd love to dive right in and just chat about these things that Karen and I definitely don't have the answers to as <laughs> not married people, <laughs> but um, hopefully you guys plus the Holy spirit will have answers too. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so our first question actually talks a lot about interfaith marriages and um you know just not being sure what does the church say about that what about you know faiths that are kind of outside of christianity a little bit like um lds or you know maybe agnostic maybe even atheist so what are what would some challenges be that would come from marriages like that do you think that it's even worth pursuing that kind of marriage Adam, why don't you take this one first? Okay, yeah. So I actually just so I'm on. I have uh, another podcast that I uh, I host called Tulsa Time with Bishop Condrela, who you guys know very well. Uh, you know, Father David Condrela is probably what uh, how you guys know him. But yeah, our bishop, Bishop David Condrela, we have a uh, a podcast called Tulsa Time with Bishop Condrela, and we're going through uh, the uh, the vocation of marriage right now. And so I think the, the question really should be, well, what is marriage? Uh, this is what we, we, we talk about a lot because I asked him the, this very question is, you know, what about, uh, you know, go, getting into a marriage where one is Catholic and one is non-Catholic? And, you know, Bishop, you know, I suppose this, he said, well, the real question is, is what is marriage? Right. Mm-hmm. And what is the purpose of marriage? And the purpose of marriage is, is several fold, but, you know, one obviously for, for, for procreation, for, for um, having children, but then uh, to get, to get each other to heaven, this is, this is the, the way of your salvation, right? And so it is very difficult uh, to have, it's not impossible, but it is very difficult to have a vocation in which you guys both don't have the same foundation, namely uh, the church, and uh, he said, you know, he, he made several good points in saying that even if it seems like it's it's doable right now, mm-hmm. uh, it's also going to be even more difficult, though, whenever you have children, uh, because a lot of times for for, for fatherhood, uh, fatherhood really stirs in a man uh, some of the, the deepest meanings of, of what it means to be a man and, and deepest thoughts. And so it makes a man think about. Uh, his mortality it makes um, it turns a man outward and makes him realize that I have other people that are now uh, entrusted to me, and so he thinks outside of himself, which causes them a lot of times to uh, come back to the faith, right? To mm-hmm. to seek God. Um, and so, if you are not cat, or you know, if you're a non-Catholic woman marrying a Catholic man who is 
maybe not taking his faith very seriously. And you think, well, this isn't a big deal. This is, I mean, he's not really taking his faith seriously. We can go to church whenever we want. And then you have a child and then he has a reversion. Well, now this is a, a, almost like a totally different man that, that you've married. Uh, and now we have some issues that we're going to have to work out, namely uh, how you're going to raise your children. Are you going to baptize your children Catholic? You know, the, and then you're going to have to, uh, other, other issues. So I, I agree with Bishop um, in saying that the purpose of marriage is the instrument and the vocation in which you uh, are called to, uh, to get to heaven and help each other get to heaven. And so in doing so, the best route to do that is living a sacramental life uh, that is full of uh, sacramental graces uh, for each of you and to raise your children, obviously, in the faith. Mm-hmm. Now, there's obviously caveats to that, right? So there's also, this doesn't mean that it's not doable uh, to, to not have uh, both of them being Catholic. Uh, but I think that if we're, if we're looking for somebody who, uh, for as a life partner, if we're looking for somebody to spend the rest of our life with and to, you know, hopefully have children with, uh, what are the most important things? Uh, what are the most important things that we're looking for in a, in a, in a spouse? And hopefully, uh, that is um, uh, uh, in relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would just echo echo exactly that. That you know, this is the most important relationship in your life. Um, your job is to get your spouse to heaven. Their job is to get you to heaven. And if you guys, if you can't agree on the most important thing in the world, you know, namely, who is God, and who are we in relationship in relation to Him, you know, and so. If you're Catholic, you recognize that we're called to be a part of his church that he came and established. Um, that's the most important thing. Uh, that, that's literally the most important thing that you can do in your life is be a part of the church that God established. Um, and so if, if you can't agree on those two things, then you really have a non-cooperative relationship. Um, even though you might get along really well and things, you know, you, you might have a great friendship um, mm. it's not going to be a cooperative marriage and you will find that as it, you know, Adam mentioned, once you have kids and you, you start saying, oh, well, are we going to baptize the kids? And, you know, your Baptist spouse says, oh, I don't believe in into baptism. It's like, what? You don't? And, you know, all of a sudden these huge problems arise when you thought you agreed on everything. Um, and also it's a little bit disingenuous, I think for you as a Catholic, um, it, I think it's just a disrespectful to your wife's religious opinions even though she might be wrong, or your husband's religious opinions, um, if they're a Protestant, well, it's like I'm taking on this job of helping them get get to heaven and live out their faith well, but I don't agree with their faith. So that even though I think it's, uh, you know, we all should be Catholic, right? We all need to be a part of this church. There's just an element of disingenuity. Disingenuity? In, uh, dis- I don't think that's the word. But, <laughs> I'm just going well, with it. Well, disingenuous. Let's just go with it. But yeah. Disingenuous. Yeah. Disingenuous. I think I may have admitted that word. Not being genuine. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, it really is, you know, I think, um, you know, you're going to get hear a lot of people who say, well, uh, I married a non-Catholic and, you know, know, everything worked out great. You know, they converted and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, that's, praise God for that. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Is that really like, what we should be striving for, though, you know, um, for the rest of your life, because I don't know, I, I would say, 
if they're not Catholic, don't date them. Gotcha. Um, that's a hard hitting question. That, I mean, that's a hard hitting answer. I think that it's it, it'll probably not resonate very well with some people. But yeah. um, the re again, there's caveats to everything. But if your uh, goal is is if you've discerned that the vocation that you're called to is marriage, and marriage is uh, the sacrament in which helps you get to heaven, and the person is to get to heaven, then it is important to make sure that that person is uh, believing the same things that you're believing, yeah. especially when you before you raise children. So, and especially if they're not a baptized Christian, because it's not you can't have a sacramental marriage. Yeah. And that raises a lot of problems. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, so my, uh, my dad was Methodist when my parents got married, they got married in the Catholic church. Um, and like, it was, it was always known that we would be raised Catholic as children. And then my dad ended up, um, receiving his first communion and confirmation on my parents' 24th wedding anniversary, which is cool. a beautiful story. So, so great. Um, and I, I know that it was, you know, hard for both of them, um, a, a little bit, like there was, there was going to be, you know, some differences in the, in the way that they, um, I'm sure we're talking about raising us and, you know, even though we were raised Catholic and, you know, there are several times where like dad didn't go to mass with us. And, um, I find it really beautiful now the way, you know, I, I think converts have a really special relationship with, um, the faith mm -hmm. and with Jesus. And I can see that in my dad and it is so beautiful. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see, um, how that relationship, you know, between my mom and dad might've been a little bit different in, you know, when I was younger, had their faith been the same. So, mm -hmm. yeah, does, I mean, does that also go with like different levels of faith, you know, maybe someone's Catholic, but not super practicing. How does, you know, is that, would you say probably about the same thing? Yeah. I mean, I think you should try to marry the holiest person you can. <laughs> I like that. I really I like, like that, that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's a saying in the church that you cannot give what you don't have. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, then you're not going to be able to bring Christ into that relationship. And that's mm -hmm. true in marriage it's true in every every relationship god well, thank you all so much um such great things uh david you were talking about not agreeing on the most important things and not being in agreement there um so kind of stemming off from that at what point should you step away from a relationship I know it's different for everyone, but kind of using your more specific terms of not agreeing, um, at what point should you step away? From that? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that is a good question. It's a tough one because, you know, it's like, okay, you have this person who loves, you know, this person in your life who, that you're interested in, they, they love Jesus passionately, but they're not Catholic. Um, so, mm -hmm. well, you know, maybe they're, in, maybe they'd be willing and interested in joining the church. Okay. So it's like, there's something to pursue there perhaps um but so and if you start to and then you realize they're not willing to pursue it uh, i mean i think the earlier you break it the earlier you do it the easier it will be it certainly never gets easier later on um and i just think that it's important to always keep the end in mind 
you know, that I'm marrying, you know, because it's easy to fall in love with someone and you think that your life will never be the same without them. And that mm -hmm. you know, basically you're just going to, your whole life is going to go off the edge and plummet into despair forever. Um, and that's just not true. It's just, it's just not true. It feels that way, but mm -hmm. it, it's just not reality. Um, and so when we keep the end in mind and always keep our, you know, eyes on the purpose of marriage, um, and I'm, I need to date people who are going to be uh, a good father and a good, and a good mother, um, and who are going to, who, who are good, holy people. Um, I, you know, I think that makes it the decision easy. Well, it, it, it might make it easier to come to a decision. It doesn't make it easier to execute the decision, uh, mm -hmm. but the sooner the better, if that's what you decide. Adam, anything to add? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree, right? So love is, uh, Bishop Conrad talked, like, it's so fun that I get to talk about this because I, I got a chance to talk to Bishop about this so uh, uh, extensively. But, you know, love is something that you, uh, while it is a feeling, you'll, you'll find out very quickly if you've been in a, in a relationship that those feelings come and go and they, there's peaks and valleys uh, in the feeling. And uh, when you take marriage vows, right you say you give them you, you vow to our to, to the god of the universe and your creator and all of the uh people in the church the the body of christ that you will love them for rich or poor in sickness and health to death do you part and to honor and uphold them i think that we should take those vows very seriously right and so love isn't just just a feeling it's as aquinas says you know it, it's willing the good of the other person and so if you truly love that person then you will their their end in mind meaning heaven and so uh that's what you should be looking for in a, in a spouse is that you you love them to to the point where uh you know you want you want them to get to heaven you want to be you want to go to heaven um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think that you got to be very careful with this idea. I think, I think it's a false idea that, oh, I fell in love with somebody and I can't fall in love, mm -hmm. uh, with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, that's just not, uh, you know, you're, you're one person in, in, in destiny and things like that. It's just, I think, uh, uh, is not correct. Um, mm -hmm. and so I think that a, a Bishop even talked about this. He said, you know, you really, you're dating. If you understand what dating is, it's, it's dating is preparing for marriage. Yeah. Right. So he says like, uh, you're, 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 you're courting basically, you, you know, you're dating a bunch of different people, uh, to find, find a suit, uh, you know, a suitor for, for, for marriage. And then you find, you think oh, this person could be it. So then you court that person mm -hmm. and this process should not take very long. I mean, you should be able to know pretty quickly, like, based on the, the foundations that you uh, are looking for, like, okay, are you, you know, are you Catholic or do you want to have children? Do you want to raise children Catholic? Do you want, you know, what are your, your hobbies? What are you, your, what are your interests? All these things you can find out relatively quick. Um, and so I, I think that uh, you can um, find this out relatively fast. And I think that, I, I think the sooner really the better. I, I, I highly encourage people to marry young. And, and start having children young. I also um, think this is, I think, maybe a, a hot take, but if you- Ooh, like, hot take. We're here, we're here for them. Yeah. <laughs> Lay it all like, out. If, if you're like, all right, I'm dating, who should I date? I think you should find 
someone who find the holiest person you know and ask them who you should date and then date that person Whoa. i mean I, I think that i think the older i'm getting the more and more i see the wisdom in arranged marriages <laughs> okay okay wait no but i but i i kind of agree with that because yeah. be, in maybe maybe it's less like arranged marriage now and more like hey set me up with someone or like, you know, set yeah. me up on this date. But I agree with that because the people you surround yourself with, the good people that you surround mm -hmm. yourself with know you the best and right. know which people you could potentially, you know, create a family with and strive for heaven with. So I, I kind of agree with that. Yeah. And how many you times, know, I think, you know, sorry, how many times have you been in a relationship where all of your friends knew like, this is a terrible relationship, but you know, they just, won't tell you because they don't want to like crush your soul yeah. you know they want to stay friends with you <laughs> or they tell you or they tell you yeah i mean because it's like everybody around you sees like this this relationship is not good for you right mm -hmm. yet you are so infatuated with the person that you're, you're blind because of your emotions or, or your feelings or whatever it is yeah. you're blind to those weak spots mm -hmm. um yeah i once heard it said that it's like um, being infatuated with someone, um, whilst not listening to other people's opinions, is like reading a book way up close and you can, you know, it, you can't read anything until like you bring it back a little farther and you're like, Oh, I can see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't feel called out at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my no. God. No, that's so I no, actually I'm... just had a, some people over at my house, uh, this week and she, and this lady was telling me this story she has some friends who padre pio Ooh. basically was their matchmaker uh he knew he knew them both individually and told them both individually you should date and marry this other person wow. and, and they both were like they knew that they knew each other already before padre pio told them to get married but they were not interested in each other at all but they were both so very you become holy. interested they were both very holy and they said, if Padre Pio says we should get married, I guess I should at least buy you dinner. And so now that I think they have like seven kids and several of them are like there's a couple religious sisters and a priest and like oh, wow, that's, awesome. <laughs> that's a beautiful so, story. It's not alive oh, now, gosh. but if Padre Pio tells you to marry someone, you should do it. <laughs> you should. Yeah, that yeah, I think I think I would probably say yes if if that happened for yeah. me. So <laughs> But no, I, I like what you were saying before, um, Adam, I think it was you who brought up that it's, you know, it's not just one person. I think, especially nowadays, people like this idea of having a soulmate. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, what the Catholic Church says about soulmates, they don't exist. Um, you're not finding your other half because you're already a whole person and they're already a whole person. Mm -hmm. um, but quite honestly, I am so glad that we do not have quote unquote soulmates because my gosh, that would mean you could miss your chance. That would mean, you know, they could be on the other side of the world. You never even meet them. And then you're with the wrong person, quote unquote. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that, you know, I feel like that's something that people try to embrace as a thing nowadays is, is having soulmates. And I am so glad that that is not actually the case. So I think Father Mike Schmitz, he had a, uh, he was speaking at a conference and he said, guys, okay, all of y'all want to know if there's a thing called the one. Okay, actually there is. So here's how you figure out the one. You have a ring on your left hand, he has 
living on his head and then you find each other and you're like boom the one <laughs> it's just like <laughs> like again, yeah. where he's like no there's no such thing as the one mm-hmm. and it's such a romantic notion uh, like false romanticism of yeah like mm-hmm. oh there's this one person in the world and everyone thinks that oh they found the one person in the world until they realize they didn't find the one person in the world you know and it's like oh yeah it's this great idea where i'm always right about this like cosmic you know the chances of you finding this one person you know Mm -hmm. yeah it's like no you could marry anybody and that it puts an undue pressure on the on the spouse right because then the spouse if if they don't they're obviously going to fail in some way shape or form if you're putting them on like this is the one and uh then they're going to let you down in some way and th- and then what happens you know what i mean so like it, it it's undue pressure uh for the spouse and it's it's really not healthy yeah i agree because then you're you're telling them that well you need to fulfill me instead of christ fulfilling me that's exactly right yeah so well you kind of already covered our our question on like how to know when to know that sort of thing um but just kind of going off of that a little bit what becomes the hardest part about those different stages of relationship for a man or for, um, what do you like well, in, what, in what capacity I guess, I guess yeah so um because so i i would assume in dating it's the discernment process like the maybe the what ifs of you know is this person um you know going back to what we said is this person the one i'm supposed to marry or whatever or the one i could marry um and then i'm sure the the engagement i've never been engaged but i'm sure the engagement part is hard because you're waiting you're in this kind of limbo between dating and marriage you know you you can't live like you're a married couple um but you're past the dating stage um I have no idea what would be the hardest part about marriage but um yeah so what what would you say are probably you know maybe some of the harder things that y'all have encountered when it comes to that so I would say the hardest thing about dating is just dealing with rejection mm, okay interesting um, you know because you're just always putting yourself out there and it fails most most of the time or it doesn't fail that's a bad that's a bad way to look at it it succeeds is really the right way to look at it like Mm -hmm. okay yep it's not the person i want to marry great that's a success or that person doesn't want to marry me still a success um so but being engaged i i think was really fun now i remember having being engaged and having other people tell me oh being engaged is so much fun and i remember thinking yeah, um, it's not that much fun. It's a little bit frustrating, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for obvious reasons. And also you're trying to plan this huge, the biggest party you'll ever throw um, mm-hmm. and like be okay with how much money it costs. You know, there's, there's, a, <laughs> there's a lot of things that are going on. Um, but like when I look back on it, it was super fun, you know, because um, and it, it can be fun. I think if you like kind of slow down, take a chill pill, it's just so exciting like your whole life is in front of you um you know like when you you found this person that you're gonna marry it's amazing um so i mean so engagement is fun the hard thing about being married 
Um, it's also, I think the exciting thing about being married is that as you're just, you're constantly doing new things. Your mm -hmm. kids are constantly getting older and going through like different phases and they need different things from you all the time. Uh, and so you, and you've never done it before. And so you're just trying to be the best you can. And like, uh, you deal with a lot of failure. Um, and that's just a reality of the human condition. You know, it's like, I, I have, as a dad and as a husband, have made many, many mistakes, um, and I try to learn from those and, do, and just be the best, you know, father and husband I can be. So that that's a it's a real challenge, um, uh, and I just thank God that I have my wife to go through those challenges with. It's, it's also exciting, right, to be like, I don't know, it's just embracing all of the great glorious challenges of life um just don't hold anything back you know yeah. so that's that would be that's what i would say yeah and i i think the only thing i would add there is that while uh everything is is going to be difficult each stage of life is is difficult in its own respects if you get the very beginning right and you understand like the purpose again of marriage like who like who you're looking for uh, and, and who, like who you're desiring to marry everything else, while it will be difficult is much more manageable and is much more pleasurable to, to do it with them. Right. So if you have, if you're found, if your foundation is, you know, our faith and in, in, in Jesus and, uh, you're going through a hardship, uh, even in marriage, mm -hmm. um, it is much more, uh, manageable and it's much more even, uh, uh, beautiful when you know you both are going to prayer together uh and you have some you have christ to to, to lean on together um and so everything is like every every stage in, in in life is going to be difficult for different reasons but uh it, it it's much easier if you start right at the beginning it's like the same thing with, with disciplining children right if you start disciplining children when they're very young and, and like you set your ground rules while they're very young and they know that they can't do certain things when they're eight, nine or 10, 11, 12, however old they are, when they're getting older, they've already set those rules and they already understand them. And so it's very easy to, dis it's, it's much more easier or much more easy to discipline them because they, mm -hmm. the, the ground rules have already been set. Mm -hmm. uh, That's why they much to kids when they were born. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's much more difficult uh, to implement new rules and implement new disciplines in your life. I mean, it's the same way with you guys, right? Like whenever, like uh, your, your families, uh, you know, like if they raised you Catholic and you went to mass and like Sunday, Sunday was just, uh, Sunday was just mass day, you know, that they would go to mass. You've already had that habit. You've already mm -hmm. trained yourself to go to do that. Um, that's not difficult anymore. Uh, but as you're developing and you're growing and now you're adding in, you know, what is a, what is a real prayer life look like? Uh, what does adoration look like? You know, what does living a sacramental life look like? You know, each one of those stages is difficult, but it's much better because you already have the foundation laid. Yeah. I'm really Listen. glad you, you added that, Adam. And I just want to like give some advice for uh, ladies. As you're like going around and looking at you know dating as you're dating if a man cannot fast do not marry him 
So his job is to, you know, he's the priest of your family. His job is to offer prayers and sacrifices. So if he cannot fast, he cannot even deny himself the, like a small thing of one meal or two meals in the same day, then do not expect great things of him. And marriage is, you should be expecting great things of the person you marry. So um, if a man cannot fast, then do not marry him. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I, I, I have heard. Oh, okay. I'm a big, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Father Mike Schmitz. Um, he's, you know, hopefully going to come on the podcast anytime soon. <laughs> okay. totally kidding. Um, but um, I'm a very big fan of listening to his homilies every Sunday when he records them and posts them on Hallow. Um, and that was uh, in the homily sometime last year. Um, and I was out on my evening run and I was, you know, going and he starts talking about uh, dating and marriage advice and he starts telling his story. And basically he led up to that moment. And I just like stopped and I was like, I've never in my 21 years of life ever heard that. Why am I just now hearing that? Where has this been? My whole Yeah. So I'm very thankful you said that. I'm sure you stole it from me. I'm sure. You <laughs> well, I haven't heard it. So <laughs> I haven't heard it, but yeah, no, I, I'll keep that in mind. That's a, that's actually a really good one that I've just never thought about. So. Well, it's very biblical too, right? You know, in Ephesians 5, like, you know, the, the, the husband is to lay down his life for his mm-hmm. wife, like Christ did for, for mm-hmm. the church. And so Christ died for the church. So the man cannot die to himself for the love of the woman, for the love of the wife. Then he, like, he can't say no to his own appetites. There's no way he's going to be able to say no for you. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of guys think like, oh, I would, I could die from, I would die for my family. And, you know, my response would be, well, do you, you know, like if you, do, if you don't do it now, then maybe, you know, in some great moment, you would summon the courage to do it. Uh, but it would, it would be like this huge, you know, you'd ha- it would be like a major event for you where the man who um, does die for his family would do it willingly and habitually. It would be a, an act of virtue not a heroic act of one-time, you know, greatness. An act of virtue instead of an act of one-time greatness. Yeah, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Me too. So, um, going off of, wow, I mean, we started with like, what are the hard parts and and ended up there. That's Holy Spirit right there. Um, that's really beautiful. So, so I think let me let me yeah. let me throw something else out there. So I think that you have to look as like as you cultivate uh, your home, as you cultivate your domestic church. Uh, the catechism says that you should be uh, cultivating disinterested service. Oh, okay. In your home, and like disinterested service, like what does that mean? Like that that seems a little odd right like i'm already not interested in serving people very much right yeah (laughs) (laughs) right and so like this and this is very different compared to like what uh the business world teaches us right so like the business world teaches us that oh oh, i will go beyond the extra mile as long as i get that raise or oh i will continue doing certain things and stay after work later if i can take off work you know and on monday 
And so it's a quid pro quo, right? It's a, I'll put in this, it's a transaction, and then I'm supposed to be getting this back. But disinterested service, this is not what you should be bringing into your home. Disinterested service is, is, has nothing to do with what I'm getting back. It's that I have the duty to serve the family in some capacity, and I'm not looking to get anything out of it, you know, uh, that I'm only doing it because I'm serving the family. And so like, this is what you try to teach your, your kids, right? Like as they are walking through the, uh, the living room and they see a clean uh, piece of laundry on the floor, they go, they pick it up, they fold it, they put it in the stack of laundry and they move on without anybody asking, without anybody saying thank you. And why is that? But it's because uh, we are called to serve and each family member of, has a certain duty to serve in different capacities within the family. And so we should be cultivating that. And what does that look like even in between a marriage, right? That doesn't mean that, oh, uh, the husband goes and washes the dishes. Like, honey, like, look at me. I'm washing the dishes. <laughs> you say, I'm washing the dishes five times, you know, and expecting something in return. No, yeah. it's that the dishes need to be washed and, the, and I'm part of the family. And so, like, the, I'm going to be doing this. So, uh, again, I think that it's just important that we think about this uh, as we're talking about laying down our lives for one another that we cultivate this disinterested service within the home of I'm not doing this for anything, any other reason than I'm called to serve you. And I love you. Yeah. So is that, is that a lot of what you might remind yourself when you're facing conflict, just the disinterested service? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you have to, and then also you have to remember that, uh, your marriage is the one homily for your children, mm. right? So like each thing, like uh, everything, how you act with your wife is how the children are going to say like, this is what living a Christian life is going to look like. This is what a Catholic uh, marriage looks like. And so it doesn't matter, like, you know, uh, obviously you, you take your children to mass, but they're not going to be listening. A seven-year-old is not going to be listening to the homily. Uh, but if they go, if they go back home and they're seeing how you're treating your wife and your and how the wife is treating the husband, then they, that's the homily that they, that they are receiving. And so, uh, you know, when there's conflict, you have to be, you have to be, uh, prudent on, on how you're going to, uh, interact with that conflict in front of children. Uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing for your children to see, uh, yourself, you know, you're working through problems. Uh, but it's how you act, how you do it, and, and the means in which you do it. Um, so, uh, yeah, when you have conflict, you have to understand that uh, that, that, that we're going to, right? So this is a, this goes all the way back to what we were talking about at the very beginning, right? That uh, your spouse is going to let you down in some capacity at some point in your marriage, mm -hmm. right? And and but uh, you have to remember that. Uh, those moments are the times where we are going to grow in, in either grace or we're going to, 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 to push ourselves further away from grace. Uh, and that uh, there are other people watching, especially when you have children, there's other people watching you and uh, in, in trying to figure out how you're going to act. I mean, handling conflict is something that every, every marriage needs to, needs to be able to do. And there are, there are a lot of good techniques for like, okay, how do you handle conflict? And those are, those are good and helpful. Um, but I, I think that handling conflict, it's before that. 
Okay, so this comes back to why you don't marry a man who can't fast for you. Because if you have a, a habitual disposition of respect for your spouse and vice versa, then when conflict arises, you will habitually be respectful, right? So th that, that conflict is easily resolved. You don't need these um, like speaker listener techniques, you know, or all of these um, other things that are good and helpful. And, you know, that I, I don't want to disparage those things because they are, like I said, good and helpful. But if you are the kind of person who is sacrificing for your spouse and, and your spouse is sacrificing for you, when you have that, when conflict arises, you kind of naturally already have the right attitude, which is, you know, how do I serve them in this? Um, I'm used to letting my own will go to the side so that I can serve the greater good, which is my spouse in this moment. So um, once again, picking the right person is very important, but also being the right spouse. Okay. You know, it's, you got to point the finger at yourself before, before you yeah. point the you know, finger at them. Um, you know, are you, are you being the spouse that your spouse needs you to be? Um, conflict is going to happen. Um, but if you treat each other well and honor the, honor the sacrament, then, then those conflicts don't have to be some knockdown drag out thing to be remembered for generations to come. Wow. Thank you so much, guys. I know that's, it's very helpful, um, unique advice, because I know that maybe some of our listeners or just a heck of a whole lot of people maybe have um, wounds from their parents or just people in their family who did not argue well, did not handle conflict well. Um, and if those, if, if there are not opportunities for, especially Adam, you were talking about, um, arguing or having conflict in front of the children, which I'm kind of glad you said that is okay to do in front of them. Um, cause I know that's kind of like a hot take in that itself. Um, but if the children see the parents have conflict, but don't see them also apologize in front of each other, um, I know that, you know can create wounds that can last a while. Yeah. So thank you guys for. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, and this is the language of the domestic church, right? So let me, so to play, to play a game with you, if I, you know, if we're in, in mass and the priest says, the Lord be with you, you guys say. And with your spirit. And with your, or it can spirit you too if you're super rad tried. Yeah. Like this is, this is, this is the deal, right? Like there's, there's different, uh, you know, there's different cadences and different, responses to everything in the mass well there's different responses different cadences in the domestic church as well there's different languages in the domestic church what does that look like mm -hmm. it looks like uh, uh i'm sorry i was wrong it is i love you even though you did something wrong mm -hmm. uh it is i am so proud of you for being a virtuous boy today there are different things that uh call us to respond in the domestic church and we and our language is important because if we use virtuous language that language becomes the goal mm -hmm. right so if i tell my kid my boy that that was a courageous moment that he just i said thank you know if i recognize hey that was very courageous of you well now he knows what courage looks like 
and that moment of what courage looks like, even whenever he was like in the pit of his stomach, not wanting to do it. And now he says, okay, I can relate to that. I know what that is now. I'm going to go be, I'm going to go be courageous. Dad is proud of me when I'm, when I'm courageous. So language in the domestic church, language in, in dating, you know, how you guys date and, and, and what you guys say to one another is very important. Uh, and, and just as it's important in the liturgy, it's, it's important in a different way when you're dating or when you're, when you're in a marriage. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, we've kind of been um, sprinkling here and there of, you know, marriage and the angle, which is, you know, heaven and the fruition of children. So regarding children, <laughs> considering y'all are um, such wonderful fathers, I believe. Um, what is the worst piece of advice you received while expecting your first child? And what do you wish someone had told you while expecting your first? That's a, a funny question. Um, I don't know what the worst piece of advice I received was. I can tell you, well, this is not the worst piece of advice. And I'm going to answer this question by saying what I think is actually good advice, which is maybe less common good advice. Um, But I am a proponent of not finding out the gender on your first child, okay? You can do whatever you want for subsequent children. But I will (laughs) tell you, as someone who didn't find out that you actually get the stuff you register for on your baby (laughs) registry. Okay. <laughs> if you know and your friends know you're having a boy or a girl, there's just, I mean, like, let's be honest, it's not like the men, it's not like the, the guys who are buying the baby gifts. It's the women. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, like, there's, and they've actually studied this. It's proven that when women go through the shopping aisles at Target, there's a, a law of physics that prevents them from not buying the outfit that they have seen which is they think at that moment the cutest thing they've ever seen in their entire life okay so if they know you're having a boy and they see like the the blue outfit with baseball with a baseball cap right and or whatever or the trucks it's like oh my gosh and they buy it and they black out and like the next thing they realize is they're in the parking lot and they're driving home with this and they were gonna buy like diapers or oh no or pitch in for a stroller or something. And so meanwhile, you have a baby and you end up with like 25 outfits that are all very cute, but that baby is only going to be that size for like 12 days. Okay. And and he might go through more than 12 outfits in 12 days, but he's not going to go through 25 and you don't need 25 of those outfits. You know what you need? You need a stroller. That's what you need. Okay. So don't, find out or if you do find out don't tell anybody mm. is there a specific reason you and your wife did not intentionally find out the gender on your first besides yes. oh yeah yeah so my father-in-law my father-in-law definitely pressured us into it um i mean like jokingly he is he is also like a huge proponent of it uh and uh it's also just really fun there his I have like adopted his point of view, I think, not quite as strongly as him because he's, mm-hmm. he's an advocate for this position. Um, 
I'm just kind of a proponent. Uh, <laughs> but there are so few surprises left in life. And this is like one of, this is the, one of the last good surprises. And um, Adam, why don't, you, why don't you talk about it? Because you have a good perspective on it, I think, now that John is born. Yeah, it is. It, uh, I, I agree. I think that it's it, it's a uh, it's a moment um, for the dad because the dad, you know, it, uh, the mom with the baby has a unique relationship with the baby for for nine months that the father does not have, right? And so that moment when the baby comes and you find out, you know, if it's a boy or a girl, and you have that uh endorphin hit of uh, just a pure love of 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 this baby and you're you're trying your best to soak it in you're trying to think about like what is the smell what are this what am i looking at what are the sounds like what it, you try to engage all your senses so that way in uh three weeks when your baby's not sleeping and you're going crazy <laughs> you can recall recall that uh and say and remember how much that moment of uh, like what that true joy and love is um so okay let me I, i'll throw I'll, I'll throw at least one and then if, if we don't have time I, I have two i'll throw out one. Oh, uh, this, this is the worst advice is that what it is no this, this is the best this is some of the this is what I, I i'm really grateful that somebody uh told me when i first had my my first kid okay uh he said he, he came up to me and he said adam your child will not learn how to be quiet in mass <laughs> what and and i was like uh i think that's a little rude because you don't know you know what my my strategy is like you don't you have not even heard like listened to what i was my plan was you don't even know if i'm gonna be in the pew or in you know the cry room like like you know it's a little rude and then he said no your child will learn to be quiet in the home and they will exercise what they learn in mass and so it, it really was a pivotal moment for me when I realized that, okay, yeah, what my, what our children, when our children are learning is in the home. And so do I provide my children with the opportunity to learn the virtue of silence so that they can exercise that virtue in the most important thing we do each week, namely mass. So that was a game changer for me because now at the end of when uh, especially when my children were younger, uh, we would at the, at at the end of dinner we would all go and sit down and be quiet and do something quiet. Now it may have been three minutes, and we worked up to five minutes, and then ten minutes. But it gave them the opportunity to learn. Like, nope, this is the time that we're still and quiet. And then mass was way easier because they already. They've got, they were, they already knew what they were supposed to be doing. Yeah. A good way now, to do it is just after dinner, you say, children, you have to be quiet until I finish this beer. <laughs> I yeah. mean. Now, uh, do I have time to, to uh, I'll be quick about that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think one of the worst, the worst, some of the worst advice that you hear is uh, kids will be kids. Right. I think that's terrible time. advice. I think that's a All terrible excuse. Uh, kids are going to be kids. You know, oh, boys will be boys or girls will be girls. Like this is an excuse. Now, obviously, children will be children. Right. Mm -hmm. Children are going to make mistakes. This is a part of uh, the uh, ma maturity process. 
but that is an excuse to allow them to do things that they're not supposed to do right and and giving them an out for it uh and like embarrassed about their children's behavior that's what they say Mm. and so like no we're called like as as parents to uh raise our children uh you know in the faith and then also like how to act and how you were supposed to establish our children so that where they can go out and make disciples and they can't go out and make disciples if they're being crazy all the time if they don't if they're not ordered if they're not an ordered person yeah and so um i absolutely think that that excuse is uh laziness and i and i, I don't think it's it's productive at all mm. interesting yeah you hear that all the time like oh well mm-hmm. you know kids will be kids and there's, there's a, a part of it where I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, up until a certain point and you're like, okay, but, but again, remember, but it, yeah. And again, remember that it is much easier to, uh, order the life when they're young mm-hmm. than when it is when they're older, not that it's not doable, but it is very much is very, uh, is a lot easier when they're young. Yeah. yeah, and I think that there should be a follow-up phrase. It's like when people say, "Oh, kids will be kids," then you should say, "Yeah." And parents are supposed to be parents. Ooh, okay. oh my gosh, that's something actually I've been hearing a lot in the educational world, um, where just, I mean, as dads, y'all are always saying this too, but just, I'm very happy that y'all are homeschooling. But for those of <laughs> parents who are not homeschooling there are things called schools and in these schools the children are just they are just declining and so that's really affecting our teachers um and so I've often heard it especially since last semester um or last fall but kids are trying to raise kids nowadays and it didn't hit me until probably middle of my student teaching semester where it it just I was in first grade so um I was really enjoying how y'all were talking about um it is easier to kind of discipline them when they're younger um but I mean it's I mean you know my kids would come in smelling like you know marijuana and um cigarette smoke and all these things and that was you know, also affecting them, but it's also just like their behavior and their attitudes. And they were like six or seven and they were already like mm. cussing me out and all these things. And so it's like not trying to judge a book by its cover, but also it was being in those environments of like ugh, these, these kids who probably, you know, they have their own wounds and they haven't been healed and they haven't, you know, matured yet are trying to raise these little precious babies you know these innocent souls and it's just like it's you know it's a balancing act so yeah and you can't um, blame the kids it's the parents there's no no discipline in their in those kinds of homes the reason why the reason why teachers have trouble controlling children in their classrooms today is because the parents do not and there's no consequences you know Mm -hmm. i mean back in the day like when i was when i was younger and i'm not that old i mean i don't feel like i'm that old anyway but when i look at you don't like it and if if like we got sent with a, a note sent home like we were gonna i was gonna be destroyed or something i don't know i wouldn't like, see the beginning of next week <laughs> yeah right it was, was gonna be bad and adam would have been like definitely killed I know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've, we've gotten into this more of a 
oh, like, do you, do you feel like this is okay? I don't, I don't know if you should feel like this is okay. Instead of this is not okay. (laughs) True story. True story. One of my students from last fall, like they were about to get in trouble or they're about to be sent to the principal's office or, or whatever it was. And, you know, he just starts bawling his eyes out he's just he's crying and he's miss gallagher if i get in trouble again my mom's just gonna ground me for a year it's like what 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 and it was hard not to laugh because it was like what kind of punishment is that <laughs> not even like so it kind of goes back to that you know kids are raising kids and there's no discipline and even if there is discipline it's like they're not what is that right <laughs> you know you should be grounded for you know, like, I guess they have, I guess they have toys, but um, now yeah. they're, you know, having the PlayStation and that, that, yeah, yeah, probably their yeah. iPad, their iPads that all the kids mm. have nowadays. Yeah. One of the mm. things that I see a lot is parents, uh, like, uh, they, it's just a disorder in the relationship. They want to be their, they want to be the friends. They want to be mm-hmm. friends with their, mm-hmm. with their kids, which I think is stupid. Like yeah. my, oldest, my oldest is seven. I'm not friends with seven-year-olds. Like, yeah, that would be weird. It would be weird. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not like I have friends, and none of them are seven. Um, and my <laughs> seven-year-old has friends, and none of them are adults because she's seven, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if I'm if I'm a friend to my children, someday when they're adults, yes, we will be friends. Mm-hmm. But um, not until that day. And if if I strive to be her friend my children's friend, well, now they don't have a dad and that's kind of a problem. Yep. Yeah. I appreciate that so much. Yeah. I'm really glad that you said that. I, I'm probably more friends with my mom now. I mean, same. I'm yeah. in my twenties. I'm going to be friends with my mom. Um, but wait till you get into you, your forties. Oh, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to think about it yet. Sure. <laughs> but yeah I definitely was not friends with my mom when I was seven eight years old Uh, no my mom was my mom my mom is still my mom my mom can still scare the crap out of me sometimes (laughs) 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 and I'm 23 so yeah but okay um yeah we we want to be respectful of your time um and each other's time so i want to go ahead and and wrap it up and just say thank you guys for being on um but we we always ask this of our guests and of each other um if you have sort of a holy spontaneity moment of the week the month the day anything like that thinking of adam (laughs) yeah adam yeah that one's an easy one um i so i work for the diocese of tulsa so i'm the communications director for the diocese Mm -hmm. uh and one of the things that i have learned um in in the time there is uh when not to speak Mm. uh there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunities to try to move things forward um or there's uh, like try to even you know take credit for certain things uh but there's a lot of opportunity. Like if you're like, if the end goal is to try to get something to be complete, like mm-hmm. a, 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 like a policy, let's just say there is a policy that we're trying to get, we're trying to move forward. Well, if the end goal is to try to get it to, to move forward. And it, and it does without me saying anything, the end goal, we, we win. 
I didn't say I didn't have to say anything and it's moving forward. Uh, I think a lot of times like just being super, I guess, vulnerable here is I like, I want to, uh, I want to move the, I want it to be me that's moving things forward. Like I'm the, mm-hmm. I'm the, the, the one who's moving things forward. And that's a sense of pride. Um, because you're trying to, you're trying, it's, it, it it's a thing of I'm doing it. Uh, and one of the things that I've learned, especially over the last few months is like when not to talk, when not, not to say anything, if you think that things are moving in the right direction, you don't have to, to voice your opinion. Um, sometimes it actually prohibits it, the end goal, uh, and it's a sense of pride. So, um, that would be mine outside of the, my, uh, second youngest son projectile vomiting uh, right before the, <laughs> yep. the podcast starting. Yep. Uh, Adam, I have some advice for you. When you go to a party, don't, sit at the seat of honor you should sit at the lowest seat <laughs> that way when, when you're called up says why are you sit- you should be sitting up here I, I feel like just think about that um, i like that yeah and i i that's my idea so i want credit for that idea uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um no like i've just been really um I feel like I've just been led to like be really grateful lately, just um, in my own prayer life, uh, just as I've been able to see you kind of every now and then you have moments of clarity where you can really just see the Lord's hand at work in your life um, and just really how he's cared for me over my life. And um, the Lord has just really, um, really guided me, um, even though I have resisted basically the whole way he has just really taken care of me um the way i hope to take care of my own children uh and you know like so i've done done some made some decisions just financially in my life that uh took a little bit of courage to do um and i you know you worry about you know when you especially when you have to start have a family and you're you know it's up to you to provide for these people otherwise like they're all going to die or something um you know so there is some pressure and when you make financial decisions you know that there's a risk Uh, and i've just seen the lord reward me for making those some of those decisions and um it just really inspires a great faith in me that you know i know that he is going to take care of me no matter what and I just really love him for it. That's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I love the wholeheartedness. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I love when you can, I love when you can kind of see the fruits. I know, you know, we, we have faith without being able to, to see it, but it's, it's nice to see it sometimes. Oh yeah. I love fruit. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, I could, I could use some blueberries and strawberries right now, Lord, you know, (laughs) So, all right, Karen, what about you? Well, first of all, thank you guys for your um, vulnerability. That was very touching. Um, So I actually made the four-hour trip home from College Station to uh, Orange Grove. So it's in South Texas um, earlier today. And I drive through a town called Hallettsville. And in Hallettsville, Texas, there is a Marian apparition site. And so... um, Mm. Gosh, I'm blanking on the year. 
But I know it's like September 18th and she showed up exactly at three o'clock um, PM. And it, it, it's really sketchy and it's really funny because like, <laughs> you know, you think that, you know, it's a Marian apparition site. It should make a, you know, big, big deal, but it's, I mean, there's like a, you know, a, I don't want to say tomb, but it's like a little place where like you can celebrate, you know, Mary and there's this huge statue and there's all like all these rosaries and all these flowers and whatnot. And then you have to drive a little further down this, like actually kind of, I don't want to say like private property, but like there is, you know, private property there. And it's basically, you just drive down this dirt road and like you park your car and it's like this random field. And like, there's a statue that's like where she, you know, appeared. So I have stopped there before, um, but I was on my way home today and I didn't plan on stopping. And then I was driving through Hallisville and I just, I was really focused. So I, it, it was just one of those drives where like, you don't realize where you are, but like you realize where you are. And so I'm like, oh, I'm in Hallisville. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. Dee -dee -dee, and I'm driving and oh, Mary. And so I, it was one of those moments where like, I didn't feel myself going there, but I don't know how but I got there and, you know, I got out of my car and I was like, so I just spent, and, you know, it just so happened to be around two 30 ish, you know, mm -hmm. and I just kind of got out of my car and I like the kind of creeper stranger that I was. And cause all these, <laughs> you park your car in this kind of sketchy dirt road. And, um, these drivers would, you know, drive by me. They're like, <laughs> so like you just wave and, you know, yeah. 10 minutes became 15 minutes, 15 minutes became 30 minutes. And I just had a beautiful talk with our lady. And um, I'm not going to say like it was a sign and she did hear me, but there were certain moments in our conversation where um, I shouldn't say conversation. I think it was just me monologuing to her, but I was talking to her and there'd be certain moments where I would say things and then like the breeze would blow by and some butterflies would fly by. And it's just like, oh, okay, Mary, <laughs> thanks. So I would, yeah. You're gonna give good to the blessed virgin. She she's pretty special. Next time you talk to her, say hi for me. Of course. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Cameron? Mine is not as deep or as normal at <laughs> all. Um, it's okay. <laughs> um, um yeah, yesterday after work. So yesterday, I'm not sure if y'all are baseball fans, but yesterday was opening day um um for the MLB and um, being in from, and currently living in Houston, I'm a huge Astros fan. So I, uh, I got to just hang out with some friends at an ice house after work, um, watch the Astros lose opening day for the first time in 10 years. And, um, but really just get to enjoy some good company and, uh, and community, which has been a little hard to come by since I started working, um, and moved down here. So, um, yeah, I just really appreciated that. So very, very, um, very simple, holy spontaneity moment, but, um, just, a, an opportunity for, for gratefulness and seeing the little things. So, which is what I'm trying to focus on this Lent is the little things. So, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. So David and Adam, where can people find you? We have a really sweet MySpace page. If you go to myspace.com, you can find the Catholic Man Show. Um, wow. They don't even know what MySpace is. Okay? <laughs> they don't even know Karen, what it is. Anymore. I think Karen really thought for a second. She was like, what is MySpace? 
you know what my face is i've heard of it have i ever used it no but have i heard of it oh man okay to be fair i've never i never used it either was that like original hold on i got this is it like original facetime or like (laughs) no it's not okay okay so it's called facebook okay Uh, okay Yes, okay. it was like it was like the original social media. Everyone is friends with this dude named Tom. Uh, somehow, I don't feel like Tom got nearly as rich as he as he should have. I, I have no idea. He's probably doing fine, but uh, it was very MySpace. You had to earn it. That was the thing about it. You had to like learn how to code a little bit. Like all of a sudden, oh, with like, some HTML. Right. Yeah, learning the HTML and dropping yeah. dropping the code in for your song. All right. All right. Uh, all right, yeah, I'm never gonna use that joke ever again. Um, no, no, it's okay. We it's both so well, good. I know what it is. I, I, I'm, I'm too young to have used it. So Adam, that joke yeah. is for us. Okay, that's yeah. for us. Yeah, that, that was for us. It's, yeah, it's yeah. so good. It's so good. Okay, you can go, you go to the- just because it is funny. We do have a MySpace page. <laughs> that is awesome. okay. I love that. Actually, can go to MySpace and find <laughs> the Catholic Man Show page. Yeah. Okay. Karen, you want to you want to age them a little bit? Karen, what year were you born? 2001. I'm serious. <laughs> mm. I I'm 21. <laughs> That's okay. I'm 99, but at least at least I have the 19 of, of you know before my birthday, so <laughs> But no. All right. If well. it makes you feel any better, I have students who say that I look 23. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Ooh, two all years. Right. Well, all right. But where I can gotta, people really find you yeah. now? <laughs> then, then you can find us on the CatholicManshow.com. Awesome. Super great. Okay. Guys, thanks so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Um, hopefully you guys get some rest and there's no more vomit tonight. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> we will see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks Thank guys. You guys so much. Hey, thanks guys. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Bye. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to Holy Spontaneity. Go ahead and give us a rate and review and download your favorite episode for easy listening on the go. Hey, might as well follow us on Instagram too, at Holy Spontaneity. See y'all next time.